So with that said, we come into the hearing of God's word, and that comes to us from Psalm 133. Psalm 133, it goes this way. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Psalm 133 is found on page 443 of your Bible. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters too live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the color of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So the pastor has said a prayer over this um, message, so we, we go straight into it. Because God is already here to walk in our hearts and, and to bless his word into it, so that it will be a fruit that honors him. So we are talking about unity that pleases God. And that brings the idea that there are forms of unity that do not please God. Uh, unity is always a good thing. We know for sure that Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are in perfect unity. So unity by itself is a good thing. But there is unity that pleases God. And there is unity that does not uh, please God. The Bible in Genesis 11 tells the story of uh, the Tower of Babel. And that was an event that happened shortly after Noah and his family was graciously saved by God when he destroyed the rest of the world. So after that flood in which the rest of the world was destroyed and Noah was saved, God gave them the same command he gave to Adam and Eve and said, increase and multiply and fill the earth. Increase and multiply and fill the earth. And then as they continued to grow in number, they came together. They got united and they said, come, let us build a tower that gets to the heavens, a sort of skyscraper. So that if anyone goes astray, anyone that wants to move away, the person can look at the high-rise building and walk his way back or her way back. That way, we are not going to be scattered. You get what's going on there? God told them to scatter, fill the earth. And they said, no, we'll get together, let's unite and build something so that we don't do that which God wants us to do. The Bible says that God looked down upon them from heaven, and he said, look, these guys are united. Unity is a good thing, but now they are united in the wrong direction. And if they are left to continue on this path of unity that ignores God, that their wickedness will be beyond limit. So God came down and confused their language so that they scattered and moved in different directions of the world. 
So if you are wondering where my accent comes from, that's it. <laughs> okay? I didn't do it. So there is unity that pleases God, and there is unity that does not please God. Here in our text, we see the mention of Aaron as God is talking about this unity. David, the author of this psalm, wrote this at the time when the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom has united under him and recognized him as their king. And as they moved into the temple and were walking from different directions, these are family, friends, and people from different parts moving into the temple. It was a joyful sight to behold. So the, 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 there is an introductory, you know, exclamatory word, behold. Some translations we put before that first tense. It says, look, look at this beautiful thing that is going on. You know, people are coming together, uniting. And what made the difference there is God. They were uniting for the worship of God. So the mention of Aaron here is a pointer to the presence of God because Aaron is the high priest of the Old Testament, the Old Kingdom, I mean Old Covenant. It, it was Aaron, the high priest, that will one year go into the Holy of Holies and offer sacrifices for the whole nation. So he was the mediator between the people and God under the Old Covenant. Of course, Aaron's mediation was imperfect because Aaron was human and sinful, and that mediation had to be done every year and every year and every year because it was not able to bring man to the holiness that God desired. So we read from Scripture that Jesus Christ is the high priest of the new covenant that the, the work of Aaron was pointing to the perfect work of salvation, redemption that Jesus is going to do through the once and for all sacrifice that he has made for our sins, bringing us to the holiness that God requires. So our text is, is telling us, you know, that the unity that pleases God is that unity that is founded on Christ Jesus, our Lord. We also see the mention of Aaron's you know, beard and, and how this oil upon his head you know, went down the color of his, of, of his shirt or his robe, which is a sort of drenching of the oil. We know that the oil there points to God's you know, choice. You know, God's confirmation that Aaron uh, is set aside. That would be something in our tradition we will call special grace. Special grace. So that points us to the idea that the unity that pleases God affirms our salvation. That when we are united in Christ, when we are doing things that promote love and peace and understanding amongst God's people, that that affirms our salvation. That affirms that we are in Christ, that we have received that special anointing or what we call special grace of salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. 
We know this because when we read Exodus 30, 22 to 30, it talks about the oil that is put upon Aaron. There are all kinds of oil available, but this particular oil that is put on Aaron was specially formulated by God. And God gave a command that nobody else will put that oil on himself. Only the high priest. So you can imagine, you know, what that oil will be like. You can imagine that when you think about, you know, the Lord Jesus, you know, changing water to wine and what the people felt about that wine made by God. So that gives us an idea of how great and sweet and wonderful that perfume made by God himself must have been to the people. So it was special. It was, you know, special. So that's, that's the, the specialness of, of God's anointing in your life, God's salvation that makes you distinct uh, in, in this uh, broken world. So God affirms his salvation in our lives as we walk in the unity that is built on Christ. Another thing we see as we look at Aaron, the image of Aaron, is that the, the priests under the Old Testament were forbidden from shedding their beard. They were forbidden from trimming the edges of their beard, which means when you see the high priest or the priest, you will know that that is a priest as distinct from the people. So God is pointing us to the reality that the unity that pleases him, you know, gives us identity. It kind of marks us out. You know, Jesus talked about his new command for us. He says, my new command for you is that you love one another. And he said, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. So we, when we are of one mind pursuing the mission of Christ in love, promoting that which unites in Christ, that gives us identity. That gives us identity. One of the things that is important for us to note is that unity does not mean absence of misunderstanding. One of the things the world teaches us today is that if there is misunderstanding, we should change church. Right? Yeah, if somebody gets you angry in the church, find another church. But the truth is that that doesn't fix it. We carry the same thing from one church to another church, and the body keeps adding up. But the unity that pleases God invites us to an attitude of love and forgiveness and an attitude of reconciliation and staying to work it out. Because it is in the process of working out our relationships that we grow in Christ and become more and more like Jesus Christ in the work with him. So unity does not mean absence of misunderstanding. There could be several sources of misunderstanding, one of them being that we have the flesh, right? We, we are sinners. Is, is anybody here in doubt about that? <laughs> All right? So we should take it for granted, you know, that yeah, well, there's going to be misunderstanding from time to time, 
And God's invitation is for us to, you know, stay on top of it, work it out, and um, our love and relationship will grow as we work that out. Another source of, you know, misunderstanding that can cause division in the church is what we call spiritual warfare. We know that the church has an adversary that works against the mission of the church. And one of his weapons is to divide and conquer and destroy, you know, because Jesus said that he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So that's his job. But that he himself, our Lord Jesus, has come, that we might have life and have it in abundance. That life in abundance comes when there is a freedom of conscience because we have forgiven, we have reconciled, we have achieved healing, we are now enjoying the peace and the joy of the Lord. So pay attention uh, to this because it's, it's very important to know that the unity that pleases God is that which is built around Christ. Because when you are in Christ... And our brother is in Christ, our sister is in Christ, and we all are in Christ. The Word of God says that we can have fellowship. We can have fellowship. And he said our fellowship is with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. So it means that the triune God will be actively at work in our lives and presence in our community. So unity that pleases God affirms our salvation. It gives us identity. And how does this unity work out on the outside? How do we see it in, in, in lives of the community and, and the people? Our text here gives us an idea. We also go back to the fragrance that everyone has. Because part of the tradition of the Old Testament is that the Aaron will walk in between among the people. And you can imagine the fragrance, the joy, the peace that the people experience because of his presence. And that's the invitation God gives to each of us as his people, that we are to be sources of joy and peace for each other. That amongst God's people, we are to promote peace, understanding, and joy, and love, and care. And that it is doing these things that makes us the people of God. So the unity that pleases God impacts us individually and collectively as a church. Our text talked about the dew of Hammon. You know, Hammon is the highest you know, peak in, in the Palestine region. It's, it's about 9,000 feet above uh, ground level. And it is covered almost all year round uh, by snow. Uh, the, the, the word Hammon there is interpreted as a, a mountain of snow or snowy mountain uh, by some people. Uh, some theologians believe that it was in this mountain that Jesus experienced uh, transfiguration. So it's a very strategic uh, mountain. But the relevance of it to the story is that during summertime, when there is no rain, the, the snow that covers Mount Hammon will melt and become vapor. And in the night, it will condescend and fall on the valleys around the mountain. 
and provides water and dew and refreshment you know, for the neighborhood. So what is God pointing us to? Something that you are already doing as a congregation. I hear about something happening on September 8th, right? You're bringing in, you know, people from the neighborhood and, and you feed people, you know, some of you will serve, some of you will uh, uh, help to give out food, some of you will do the cooking and you spend time to listen to them, encourage them, invite them into the church, right? That's what God is saying here. That that's the unity that pleases him. When his people, you know, makes those impacts that make the neighborhood feel that Jesus is here, I would like to be part of it. That's the unity that pleases God. That unity impacts the neighborhood. Not only that it impacts within the church, it kind of moves out and impacts the neighborhood. Now, our text said that that's, that's not where the unity ends. It says that it is like the dew of Hammon falling on Mount Zion. Picture Mount Zion about 100 miles away from Mount Hammon. Imagine a sort of uh, uh, wind current carrying this vapor from Hammon and refreshing you know, the dry lands around Mount Zion. That's the imagery that our text is picturing here. And that points us to the work of God's church in distant places. That the unity that pleases God not only refreshes the family of God, the church, but also refreshes the neighborhood and distant places. You see, all these have been consistent, even with the words of Jesus, that when the Holy Spirit falls on you, which I have seen, that you will become his witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, which is the church, but in Judea and Samaria, which is the neighborhood, but in also the utmost part of the earth, which for you will be Africa, Asia, and some other distant places. So you already fulfilling that unity that pleases God. My prayer is that God is using this message today to affirm you, to encourage you and strengthen you, and that you will continue to grow in that unity. Because our text says here that the unity that pleases God is where the blessing is. Amen? Right. And, and it says it's, it's not just the blessing for now, but blessing for eternity. So as you continue to unite in Christ, as you continue to pursue that unity, you know, that pleases God, lives will continue to be changed. Communities will continue to be transformed. And the name of Jesus Christ will continue to be lifted, not only inside here, but in this neighborhood and around the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the privilege of hearing your word. We pray now, Lord, that um, your word will be our fruit in our lives, that we may be encouraged and strengthened, and that through the unity of your people, that your name will continue to be lifted up, that our testimonies with each other 
would be a testimony of love and peace and encouragement and hope. And that this testimony will move beyond here, Lord, and continue to refresh the community. And that lives will continue to be transformed through the unity that pleases you here at Hope. Bless the leaders and those that serve and, and the whole congregation, Lord. I pray that each of them will continue to experience the joy of their salvation. That you will continue to confirm them in Christ. That they will continue to bear fruit that please you. We pray these in Jesus' name. Amen.